0: In the group, someone mentioned um, our podcast and that everyone should listen, and that it's really well done.
1: What did you just say? You say that again? You do. You're doing a good job, buddy. That's like the sign, right? Where things have shifted. It's like being a Lions fan. You just <laughs> settle down. and welcome to another potentially useful episode of the T-Caps Loop Podcast. My name is Larry Burden and helping me ascertain the appropriate algorithm to accelerate podcast ascendancy, it's Danielle Brostrom. Before I acquiesce to her abundance of arithmetic acumen, I'd like to assail you with this week's T-Caps Loop Moment of Zen. Computations are everywhere once you begin to look at things a certain way. Rudy Rucker. So, Welcome, Danielle. Hi, welcome. Welcome to our pre-Thanksgiving podcast. There was some breaking news this weekend, and since we've had like 17 artificial intelligence podcasts in a row, this is kind of relevant. So over the weekend, I think it was pretty much over the weekend, ChatGPT fired one of their founders, and that founder was snapped up by Microsoft. So Sam Altman and Greg Brockman of OpenAI were replaced by former Twitch leader, Emmett Shear, who is taking over OpenAI as the interim chief executive officer. I don't necessarily have a take on what this means, but what?
0: Isn't it funny how fast things change in technology? You just talked about OpenAI and Twitch and all these things that weren't even a part of the vocabulary recently.
1: I'm very curious to see what this means for the future of OpenAI. I think you could speculate wildly about what it could mean. We speculate on other things, <laughs> but uh um, I just thought it was relevant to our former discussions or and obviously discussions going forward because obviously we're not done talking about artificial intelligence, but that's not why we're here today. Uh, today we're going to talk about computer science as we're going into what was previously the time for our hour of code. And um, this morning I noticed that you had changed the first question, which actually... I was going to change as well to that. So, look, simpatico. We're on the same page. page. So, maybe the first question we need to ask is, what is computer science? So, that's my first question to you. So, when we used to talk about computer science, we really, really
0: focused in on the coding. We focused in on giving students exposure to code and looking for that to kind of propel them into being more interested in all the things that computer science is. This year, we are really focusing in on computer science as a whole and what is computer science. So computer science isn't just coding. It's the study of computing principles and theories. It's computational thinking. It's hardware. It's software. It's computer applications. It's all the things. And if you look at the computer science standards, there's even a digital literacy component in computer science. So it's really all of the things that we talk about related to like creativity and using computers to get ahead almost. Does that make sense?
1: It sounds like you're kind of struggling with the definition I am. Well. I did the same thing. I looked at it. I'm like, I'm going through all these different resources and I'm not really getting an answer. So then I went, you know, I did a little root cause analysis here, and I went a little deeper, and I'm like, okay, so really, what's the backbone of it, which is computational thinking? Yes. And so then I tried to find a definition of computational thinking. That didn't really help, but I found this, so I'm going to share this, and then I'd like your, your thoughts on it. Computational thinking is an interrelated set of skills and practices for solving complex problems, a way to learn topics in many disciplines, and a necessity for fully participating in a computational world. That's from the Digital Promise, Computational Thinking for the Next Generation Science Toolkit, which is a mouthful. Um, I agree with that, but that's still kind of hard to wrap your head around. Let me posit this for you. I think it's because it's become, as you said, and as we're talking about, so much more than coding. Yes. It's that computational thinking in computer science is, is so integrated with virtually everything that you're going to do, so... It's hard to just say, oh, we're going to learn some code, and that's going to be enough. It's you need to work on how you're looking at the world.
0: And that is computational thinking. That's the thought processes. It's much broader. It's understanding the problems and the solutions in a way that you're creating something that can be carried out by a computer. So when you talk about computational thinking, you're thinking of or you're working through, like, what is the problem? how can I develop some kind of a model or prediction of of what I want to do to solve the problem? How can I create some kind of an algorithm on a computer to help me solve the problem? And then it's like testing it and debugging it and um, evaluating whether your solution works. So it's kind of working through that scientific method, but with technology problems. So you can see how when we talk through this, you're thinking, okay, so that connects to engineering, you know, engineers solve problems and that, that does connect to coding because we, we're going to code the solution. And computer science is just this behemoth that touches all these different content areas. Isolating it into just coding or just one thing is doing it a huge disservice because it does
1: connect so easily to all these other content areas. We've talked about design thinking, computational thinking. I'm getting a sense that they've merged, that these are not two separate things. These are now aligned because so much of the things that we would apply to design thinking are applied to a more digital environment now.
0: I think so, yes.
1: Have we set a platform for moving on to the next thing? For today's discussion, yeah. yes. Okay, let's, let's break it down a little bit into actionable terms. In Michigan and all over the U.S., there's a big focus on reaching students, all students with computer science, especially those not currently well represented in CS careers. And why is this important? And the first thing I thought about was what we had talked about last week, which is AI jobs. And when we're talking about equity, there was a stat that I had found. Demographics show that 67% of AI specialists are white and 91% are men. What? That's so surprising, Larry. (laughs) Let's talk about equity first, maybe.
0: I do think it is important to give students exposure to not only computer science and computational thinking and the principles within that, but it's also important that they can see the careers that are available to them, no matter where they live. And it's important that they see people that look like them in those careers, because if you can see it. You know that it's out there, and you kind of know what you're working towards. If you're looking at who is not represented in CS, it's you know African Americans, it's Latinx, Native Americans, Pacific Islanders, it's women, uh, English language learners, uh, LGBTQIA students with disabilities. All of those people, if you're not careful, will be left out of CS and. CS is some of the highest paying jobs or some of the fastest growing jobs. It can help prepare you for college. Some of the stats that we were looking at, if you want to go into computer science, just to be accepted into college for computer science, you have to have taken the AP exam. Well, if your school doesn't offer AP computer science, which a lot of our rural districts don't offer computer science, and I think only 55% of the kids in Michigan get computer science, you're already a step behind. And if you grew up like me in the UP, you didn't know that these careers even existed. So, again, if you're not seeing it and if you don't know about it, all those doors are automatically closed to you. And... It's not fair, obviously. that's Fairness is a big part of it. But also, I'm reading a book right now, and it is called More Than a Glitch, Confronting Race, Gender, and Ability Bias in Tech by Meredith Broussard. And she opens her book talking about the soap dispenser thing. Do you know about that? It was a couple of years ago that there was a a black man. He was trying to use a soap dispenser and it wasn't recognizing his skin tone. So he had to go get a paper towel and use it. And sure enough, then the soap dispenser would work. So when you have people left out of the design of tech, you end up with limitations like that. You know, I think of like AI and Alexa, and if you don't have people with different speech patterns or dialects or elderly people testing it out and being a part of those discussions, then you end up not servicing those communities and making some huge mistakes in the design and in the coding.
1: I I think the barrier of entry to these fields is so arbitrary and unnecessary There's a vocational education model here that makes a lot more sense for this field. Um, One of the things that I was noticing in professional development for educators is the micro-credentialing, which, again, makes a lot of sense. Small snippets of information because the information is going to be changing so quickly. It doesn't necessarily make sense for every path to be a long-term path because the industry is going to be changing so quickly that a vocational ed model might make more sense. Or, you know, I discussed this at the start of the year, some micro learning. Is there a way to, the the only entrance into this field to be a college prep path through AP exams, which are going to absolutely take out 60% of the students that aren't gonna have the resources to be able to handle an advanced placement pathway a college prep pathway. Is there another way that we can create a pathway for these students to be in computer science fields because they are capable? They just don't have the resources to be able to maintain the level of structure. I know multiple families that are like college, especially with the cost of college right now, it's not even a thought. It's not, this is not something that's attainable. My student is not going to be able to take, and I'm I'm sorry, I'm soapboxing here, So they have to take all the AP classes, they have to apply for all the scholarships to have any hope of being able to afford the college classes that it would take, and then they're going to have this huge debt. Well, if you don't have familial financial structures behind you, that's a big risk for a student to take. So why would a student, why would a a kid want to take that risk, whereas they probably don't have to really to be functional for the needs of the industry right now. And the industry has those needs. They need the people going into these fields. So why are we putting barriers in their way? I'm off the soapbox. Sorry. Anyway.
0: I, I think I think historically we have denied large groups of students access to CS and to CS careers. Sometimes the barrier is college, for sure, and sometimes the barrier is financial. Sometimes the barrier is simply a counselor who steers them a different way. Everybody's doing the best that they can and the best that they know how, but when you know better, you do better. So the more we can talk about CS and why it's important and why it's beneficial to no matter what career you're going into. I mean, it's problem solving, you know, and why all kids need it and why these careers are good for all kids, and why it's important to have all voices in the room. I think the more we can do that, the better off our kids are going to be. And
1: maybe some of those barriers can come down. It's learning how to have an organized mind. This is not a bad thing. What is a foundational computer science class? Because it seems like there was a lot of advocacy for that as a baseline for growth in a district.
0: There are two different classes that they're really pushing at the statewide level. One is compute, essentially computer science, like for coders, and the other one is essentially computer science for like everybody. So having those two classes are kind of what I've understood that they talk about when they are talking about the
1: foundational computer science classes, having those two offered to your high school students. And it would seem that Michigan is not where we would like to be as far as making that a requirement or even having large-scale adoption?
0: No, we're about halfway. In 2017, the Code.org Advocacy Coalition, they developed nine policy recommendations, to make computer science a fundamental part of the state's education system. So a 10th policy just came along this year, um, and that was a graduation requirement for computer science. So there are things that that are really measurable, which I like because a school district or a state can go through and they can say, okay, yes, we're doing that. Yes, we have this. Yes, we have this, but at what level? But there are things like creating a statewide plan for K-12 computer science. Will we have that. Defining computer science and establishing standards for K-12 computer science, we have that. But now look at number three, allocate funding for rigorous computer science teacher professional learning. We actually do have that. There's a grant opportunity through the state of Michigan that just came up. But again, you can see where, like, if you look at these policies, you're like, oh, we're missing that one. What can we do to help fill it in so we can have that available to our people. The IET grant and the 99B grant just came out recently from the state of Michigan, and that should help with some of that professional learning um, around computer science. So continuing on those policies, number four, implement clear certification pathways for computer science teachers at elementary and secondary level. So what does computer science look like for an elementary student and a teacher, and how do we get them prepared? That's a tough one. You know, there are others on here that we definitely have a long way to go. Requiring that students take a computer science class to earn a high school diploma, that's a big one. Creating programs of institutions at higher ed to encourage all pre-service teachers to have exposure to computer science. We've got some, some way to go on some of these for sure. It'll be interesting to see how the more we work through these policies and work on making computer science more foundational in our state because other states are further ahead, it'll be interesting to watch this and see how how much we can offer our students.
1: I see a difficulty. It's great that there's grants out there to support this. At the same time, the schools that probably need those grants do not have the administrative flexibility to have a grant writer or somebody that's writing those grants, so I, I do wonder if that's a another equity issue, where it's great that it's there, but the people that actually need it aren't going to be the ones that are getting those those grants.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent.
1: I'm glad somebody's getting those grants. I'm not. I'm not. You know, completely disparaging the effort, but it would be nice to have maybe some more targeted allocations there.
0: I agree. Uh, Michigan did pass $4 million for computer science in 2023, so that was the first time that they had fully dedicated funding. So I guess making sure that that continues to happen would be a way to further that so that all districts get to have access to it, not just the granted districts.
1: It is going to be a, a slow march. You're going to see incremental gains. You know, when we were talking about AI last week and we were talking about maybe the pace of growth in in the educational field isn't really where we would like it to be. This is another case where we do have to be pragmatic and realistic about what can change, but we can definitely push and hope that it changes faster because this is definitely something that we need to have more movement on.
0: Like our upcoming Computer Science Week, which is going to be the first week of December, that's a great chance for us to to talk about computer science and why these skills are important and why these jobs are important and get kids diving into some of these practices and get, get counselors talking about it. And it, I hate to just have it be a springboard, but I, I think that there's some value in that, you know, spending a week really, really diving into these concepts and talking about it and hoping that that inspires some of our staff to use this throughout their curriculum.
1: First, I want to say, what a professional segue. I've learned some things well, in the well years, done, Larry. Well done. So with Computer Science Week coming up, what can we expect?
0: From secondary, they are doing a big focus on AI because, you know, that's a thing. And computer science does relate to AI quite a bit. So, um, (laughs) Really? It does. It does. They're connected. So David's got some short activities like um, survival of the best fit, which is an AI simulation that you train the AI to do some hiring based on whatever qualifications you feel like. It's a great way because at the end you find out the bias that was involved in the training of the AI because your biases went through to the system. It's a it's a really great short activity to get people starting to think about those concepts. He's got some snapshots on here from AIEDU, which we know is great in this field. He's got some um, activities on here related to data science, so where you're looking at maps with data on them and trying to take the data out and make use of it. His AI stuff looks really, really good at secondary. At elementary, I am focused more on tying Everything to those standards because the more we can remind people that computer science is more than coding, it's the the direct correlation to the standards. So we're talking about the systems and impacts of computing, networks and the internet, data and analysis, computational thinking, and algorithms and programming. So continually tying everything that we do in elementary back to those five strands are fundamental for what we're doing so I've got lessons for Seesaw because we work in Seesaw so a good correlation to what they're already doing um station-based activities so it's really hands-on which was an idea I got from Sarah Wood at Kent ISD and Keith Tramper they had a session at the computer science conference and it was all about how to talk about these standards and the different parts of computer science but in a completely hands-on way so um added in some of that. There's a lot of online activities. And again, just really, really focusing people back in to talk about the careers in computer science. Shelly Vandermeulen from MySTEM Network and I have been out doing interviews in the field out in businesses in Traverse City and talking to people who are using computer science and we're, we're looking at where they work. And just a good reminder to kids that not everybody who does computer science is at a desk by themselves. Sometimes they're, you know, out on a floor with a bunch of other workers and sometimes they're, you know, at 20 fathoms working with other groups of people. Like it's all the things that computer science is and all the things that you can look for in a career. We're kind of trying to do that with those interviews this year. So I really think it is important because if you look at Some of the studies, kids as young as six and seven are already looking at careers and kind of putting themselves into paths. So the younger we can get at those kids, the better. So I'm really, really pushing a career focus this year.
1: When we talk about digital citizenship, this is a great stepping stone or a great piece of the digital citizenship puzzle, the digital literacy puzzle. It doesn't have to be two separate things. This is actually part of that puzzle. So if you're doing this, and you're preparing your kids at an elementary level through computer science, you're giving them the skills, the digital literacy skills that they're going to need. This is foundational to digital literacy as well. So it's kind of two birds with one stone.
0: It is, and to remind teachers that it doesn't need to be coding. You know, one of the activities that we did at the computer science conference was we played um, Perfection that little game where you put in all the pieces and then it pops up after a minute and wrote down some data on like how many pieces you got in and maybe age, whatever. We wrote all those things down and then actually analyzing that data to see if there are any patterns. Like that's computer science. Part of computer science is looking at data and to teachers to say that, you know, I don't have any experience in coding. It's...
1: Do you have experience in reasoning?
0: (laughs) right? Reasoning and problem solving and how how much of digital literacy is, like looking at data and looking at what's being put out there and deciding Critical whether thinking. it's relevant. I mean, it's all the things. So hopefully what David and I have put together for TCAPS will help our teachers and our counselors and our principals uh, speak with confidence about computer science and the careers involved.
1: I think that's the perfect way to move to our next piece. But to keep in mind that this is something that is just fundamentally education. It's not a great leap for somebody that's not necessarily a techie to do. 100%. With that being said, do you have a tech tool of the week?
0: Tech tool of the week is www.csedweek.org. That is the website for the Computer Science Education Week. And there is a lot on here. There are different profiles of careers from the CS Heroes section. There are sample lessons. There's some advice on how to start a computer science class in your area, um, there's just a lot here between how to teach and explore it, but also how to advocate for better computer science education and policies about computer science. So, csedweek.org. Uh,
1: anything else for the good of the order? Nothing. Where can you be found, Danielle?
0: At BrostromDA on LinkedIn and Instagram and formerly known as Twitter.
1: There we go. Uh, Tcaps Loop can be found on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. TikTok is on the back burner with the gravy right now. Uh, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, Podbean, CastBox, Overcast, or wherever else you get your ear candy. Thanks for listening and inspiring.
0: I also have some advice for us from okay. my eight-year-old. She said, Mom, I listened to your podcast.
1: Oh, oh no, this is going <laughs> to hurt. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You need to be less goofy.